Mornings on Radio 191 FM. Tenakotu This is the Radio 191 FM Toreru Irirangi Kotahi News Bulletin. It's the 4th of May, called Josh Tene. A 32-year-old man has been arrested in connection to a series of break-ins to flats in which he cut peepholes into students' curtains. The incidents took place around the Dunder Street Harbour Terrace area and led to the perpetrator being given four charges of burglary and one charge of being unlawfully in an enclosed yard. Police have asked students in the area to check their curtains for any signs of perverted property damage. One student living on Dundas told Critic that the police had a man in custody for robbing houses and also cutting holes in female tenants' curtains so that he could peek through their windows later, she suggested. In a statement, the police told students to, quote, always secure their flats and belongings and ensure that their curtains are in good condition and drawn when required, unquote. This May, Dunedin's Globe Theatre is celebrating its 60th anniversary, This is a remarkable achievement for the local theatre company on its own. However, its upcoming plays make it even more exceptional. The Globe's upcoming one-act double bill features Bertolt Brecht's A Respectable Wedding, directed by Thomas Mackinson, as well as Margaret Wood's A Kind of Justice, directed by Aaron Richardson. What makes this so remarkable is that Aaron is legally blind. Radio 1 sat down with Aaron to learn more about the play and the challenges of directing with partial blindness. What is this play about? And could you give us a little bit of insight into what kind of things we can expect? So it's set in the future, I should say, firstly. Um, an event has happened in the world, um, populations down, um, and then an uprising, apocalyptic sort of style thing. But it's really deeply looking into the morals and um political genders of things that are happening today, what it would be if, you know, this particular event happened um, in the future, basically. Um, you had a bit of creative license in, in directing it. Did you have any inspiration yep. or where did you where did you sort of pull from? Where were you trying Okay, to- um, I've always been a sci-fi, a post-apocalyptic kind of guy. I like the stories behind that because it can really open um, open characters, basically and see what they would do in those situations. Um, really, I, I draw from those types of shows on the stylistic side of things, but I draw from a lot of political bits and pieces right. in the show and just what is our future going to look like, you know? Mm. I've got to say, Aaron, it's a remarkable achievement um, what you've managed to do. And I just wanted to know what sort of challenges have you had to overcome to get to this stage here? <laughs> Um, a lot. Um, firstly, um, I'm partially blind, but I count it as legally blind. Um, so that can be a challenge in itself. Mm. Um, some people just think it's the physical things that I can't do, but um, a lot to do with um, what I have with my eyes, it actually makes me quite tired and pain and all that because my vision actually changes day to day. I can have a good day and be able to see everything. Yeah. Um, or a bad day and it's really bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's been, it's been challenging in the sense that script reading is quite hard. Yes. Um, but I have had a, a beautiful cast who's been very helpful with that. Um, and sometimes it's, you know, physically actually seeing if they're doing what I'm asking them to do can be quite hard. 
but I have a lot of trust in my actors and mm. and I'm not one of those directors who um, fall out says this is what you're doing this is what you're doing it. I really like their input because I mean it's their character. Yeah, you're giving them the space to embody yeah. the, the character. Exactly. Like I mean, I give them the backstory. I give them the idea of the world that they're in. Mm. They can find um, this character basically. Um, so that that that's one one um, aspect that's quite hard. So visual things. Secondly, uh, with this um, version of my play, this version of the play, I've actually done a lot of the set myself. Right. Um, so yeah. that can be quite um, physically hard too because obviously I'm visually impaired, so sometimes mm. it doesn't come out the same way I want or it's quite dangerous when we use things. Wow. And um, in terms of... Uh, the diversity of, of, of plays that the Globe does. Yep. Um, you're, you're on a double bill with yes. um, Thomas <laughs> Mackinson's um, A Respectable Wedding. Yes, uh, so that's how, correct. How, how can we expect the two plays to sort of bring their different angles and are they are they sort of complete opposites? Or is it going to be, are they completely similar? Complete opposites. Yeah. Complete um, so uh, Thomas's is, is a comedy, and it's a fast comedy, um, and it's set in the 1920s, and mine's set in the future. Mm. Um, but it's, it's, it couldn't be more different. <laughs> it couldn't be more different, and that's why the poster became the way it did. Like originally, we were trying to sort of join it, and it was just nothing that we could yep. join it together. But in its own right, um, the biggest connection is the fact that it's two young directors. Mm. From the, um, in fact, it was actually two directors from who's been to the University of Otago, and also um, COVID stopping their first run of the show. So right. it's, yeah. it's been connected. The plays are on stage at seven thirty p.m. on the thirteenth to fifteenth of May, and a matinee performance at two p.m. on sixteenth of May at the Dunedin Globe Theatre at one hundred and four London Street. Tickets can be purchased from iTicket.co.nz. Students living near the intersection of Albany Street and 4th Street may have in recent times noticed a foul smell residing nearby. And no, I don't mean the smell of Greg's factory dehydrating their coffee, which up until recently I believed to be the biggest screw-up with a toaster in history. This smell is much more sinister and much more mysterious. Witness reports describe the smell as being akin to sewage, this week, Radio 1 launched a fully-fledged investigation into the source of this ambiguous aroma. After initially mistakenly trying to pin the blame on the Polytechnic, sorry Polytech, it was instinctual, and then trying to shift the blame onto the uni, I found that no one has the answers. Where is this smell coming from? Is it all part of some sort of larger cover-up? It's too early for speculation. I'll definitely get in trouble if I do speculate right now. Watch this space, though, for a follow-up investigation, where I will actually conduct a serious attempt at finding out these answers. If you have any information at all, please do email in at news at r1.co.nz. It'll make my life a lot easier. The Radio 191 FM weather. Today's going to be an absolute scorcher, with a high of 20 degrees and a low of 9 degrees.
cloudy during the day and there might be some areas of light rain. Tomorrow's going to be pretty fine except for some morning cloud and a few westerlies and we're looking at a high of 17 degrees and a low of 9 degrees. It's Music Week at Critic Te here, and every day this week our reporters are bringing you an exclusive interview with the weird and wonderful side of the Aotearoa music scene right here on the Radio 1 News. Kia ora, Kozak Did you know that it's currently Aotearoa's Music Month? Well, you do now. For Music Month, I decided to highlight a choice Aotearoa band, the fantastic Catharticus. So we've got truckloads of new, new music actually and um, we want to get into a studio we could probably release a double album almost Catharticus are a self-described surf punk and post-rock group composed of Michael Wingfield who handles the lead guitar vocals and even the ukulele as well as bassist and vocalist Greg Tronson who also happens to play the triangle how epic is that? and to top it off Catharticus also has two drummers Stephen Hasty and Daryl Bazer Catharticus started utilizing the enigmatic ukulele after a series of venue shutdowns in 2015, but with noise concerns in mind, lead guitarist Michael Wingfield says the ukulele has been incredibly useful for playing quieter shows and not having to worry about noise. It worked really well. We were surprised at how well it could work, and then I discovered I could put, run it through pedals like distortion, and it just absolutely rocks. It, uh, it's quite a rhythmic, mix, so you can get away with it without drums, and it's still, got, you know, still quite beefy. My favorite Catharticus song would have to be Wilson Parking, which Michael wrote after he got a hefty parking ticket at New World. Annoyed that he couldn't contact the Wilson Parking Manager as it's a giant Hong Kong-based company, he decided to write the song, which absolutely slaps, by the way. Well, the song pretty much wrote itself that night. I had a tune running through my head, just got the uke out. The following week, we unleashed it at Zanzibar, and it just went ballistic. And as I yeah, we're onto something here. And um, so I fine-tuned it and recorded it within a couple of months, and yeah, released it. Visit Catharticus's Facebook page or website to see when they're playing and to check for any updates on music. You can find their punky tunes on Spotify, Bandcamp, really wherever you listen to music online. We've all got different tastes, but if, if you like something that's a little, little bit quirky, you got truckloads of energy, there's a wee bit on the punky side, or a little bit cathartic, <laughs> yeah, give, us a bit, give us a world, I guess. That's it for today, folks. You're listening to Radio 1 Te Reo Irirangi Kōtahi. Purutia Kia Raka.